Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, this one's going to be interesting as we head into the All-Star break. Kraken limping in, I guess it would be a way to... Floundering might be a better word, actually, after last night. Um, Kraken not playing their best hockey as they head into this all-star break. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the future of the team, both in the near term and the long term. And uh, we're going to talk about Bjorkstrand going to the all-star game. We'll kind of save some fun stuff to talk about with the all-star game for the end of the podcast. But of course, RJ, just like every week, got to start thanking Queen Anne Beer Hall for sponsoring the podcast, as they always do. Love that. I loved in this past week, we saw um, some comments from people who went up for their first ever game at Climate Pledge Arena, going up, visiting Seattle. They all said they went to the beer hall before the game. I love yep. to see comments like that. Just It's just become a part of the, you know, the pilgrimage. If you're a Kraken fan going to Seattle, you go to Queen Anne Beer Hall before your first Kraken game. Yeah, everyone knows it's the place to go, right? I think, you know, over the last couple of years, everyone's learned, right? That's the spot to go. Uh, it's right by Climate Pledge Arena. It's super convenient and always a great time there. Yep, definitely. So good stuff to th- uh, there. Thanks to them for sponsoring, as always. And now on to uh, the rough stuff, RJ. Like the, the, the team <laughs> losing last night to the Sharks, 2-0. I still can't get over it. Um this wasn't even like their only bad game in the last little bit either, RJ, right? You look at like the standings, uh, you look at the schedule for this team. I mean, it's it's been a little rough for them, right? It's like, you know, whether it was the, the game against St. Louis that you end up losing in overtime after being up 3-1, even some of the wins, both like the Columbus win and the Chicago game, they didn't play their best hockey in those, RJ. Right. I mean, you look at really the last eight games, you kind of separate this this team the whole season really to like these eight game segments here but you look at these last eight games uh you got six losses in those eight and yeah the wins really were, were not good games I, they were not convincing the chicago game i thought they played pretty terribly because chicago's so bad they get away with a six to two win but uh columbus was kind of sloppy as well i mean I think this is something we knew was happening as the Kraken were going through it. And yes, you can point to injuries. Yes, you can point to just fatigue. And I think there was a lot of that. And I think to an extent that was legitimate excuse, certainly early on in that losing streak, right? When you have the Pittsburgh and New York games, those back to backs. I mean, I I don't know what more you can do just given how banged up you are. Um, You know, Edmonton and Toronto are good teams, but you're finally kind of getting healthy, had one game to go before the all-star break and against a team that is very, very bad. And at the end of the day, the the Kraken just didn't show up for it in the way that they needed to. And I guess that's just what leaves this bad taste in our mouth going into the all-star break. Yeah. Now on the flip side, you look at the overall league standings, you look at the wild card race here, RJ and the Kraken aren't in the worst spot in the world in the sense that they're only two points back of being in a wild card spot. Like they've, they have done enough to keep themselves in the equation in the race. They're still doing better than teams like Arizona, Calgary, Minnesota, who have all kind of fallen off. I mean, is that, is that enough to kind of look at and, and hold on to and just be like, look, they're there, they're in the conversation and really 50 games in, that's all you need to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly the way that Dave Haxtell w- would look at it, at least after last night. And I know that's something that we kind of wanted to address early on, because on post game we were talking about, you know, how you want this to stay in the players' minds. You want them to kind of turn it into some fire when they get back. You want them to remember this one. I think people were joking yes. about Haxtell, like texting them every day, just feel like, 
San Jose Sharks, the Sharks, you know. Um, but Haxtell certainly didn't see it that way. You know, he said in, in terms of effort, we played hard tonight. And, and he was asked kind of point blank if he wants the players to dwell on this and turn it into some energy. And, and he said no. And, and he they said that he'd feel differently if they had kind of looked past this game. But he felt that they didn't. So I know that kind of, you know, doesn't exactly square with what we were saying about it. I mean, Dylan, no. d- do you have issues with his comments here? I do. Like, I... I have issues in the sense that, look, would he know better what the mood in the locker room was going into this game than I? A thousand percent, right? Like, I have to believe him if he says the team didn't look past this game, they weren't in vacation mode already. I have to believe him. He would know better than I would. That being said, if that effort, if that level of effort was you not looking ahead to the vacation, which is what we speculated on what everybody in the Kraken community speculated on, then what was that, right? Like, then that that's almost worse for me because then that was your effort really actually trying against this terrible Sharks team that's missing their best player and you still did that, right? Like, right, I, that's I, a bad sign for playoff prospects going forward if, yeah, if you feel that you didn't kind of take that game off, right? I mean, right. what does that say about your ability just for the rest of the season. Right. We, we talked about it. I talked about it last night, right? You When you are one game or even a couple games out from the All-Star break, you're tired, you're exhausted, your body's been through more than it should, right? We've talked about the NHL season is way too long. It's not healthy for guys to be doing what they're doing. You, you look at that and you get to this point where these last couple games are either, look, I'm, I'm just getting into vacation mode i've just kind of kind of get myself through these last couple games and get out of here rest and recover or you look at it as i'm just going to empty my tank completely in these last games you know game or two because i don't i'm going to have 10 days off to rest and recover after this so i don't need to worry about it right and those are the two mindsets you can have and based on the effort against the sharks it really looks like they chose the former rather than the latter and i think that that's where his comments kind of hit weird for me because again, if that was them emptying the tank, uh, that makes me really concerned if it gets to game 78, 79, 80 of the schedule and you might need to do that because you're still two or four points back from a wild card spot. Right. And there were certain guys who I do feel like kind of emptied the tank and try, you know, Jared McCann, like he never takes a game yeah, off. Yeah, and Joey Decord, certainly with yep. this stretch and how much hockey he's been playing. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was the case for most of the guys. Now, I mean, it's worth talking about. Look, this is Dave Haxtall's MO. He's yep. always going to protect his guys. Basically, he's always going to say, look, it's actually okay. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine, at least to the media, to us, you know, Mm -hmm. and I understand his message to the players might be different. I mean, he might, you know, yell at them after that game and then goes and talks to the media and says like, you know, no, it's fine. You know, we put ourselves in a good spot. It's okay. Um, So he's always going to say that, but one, I guess, do you, do you think maybe there was a different message to the team privately? And then two, like, do you have an issue with him, you know, saying that publicly to the media or just always kind of being like, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I think there was a different message to the team privately, or at least it was expressed differently, right? Like, you saw his face after that game, right? There's no way he goes right. into the locker room and he's just like, all right, well, that happened, the vacation, but, but make sure to stay present with your families, enjoy your vacations, get healthy, get rested, and come back, right? You say something between those two things, right? Like, you, you, you yeah. can't just lead with that and not say anything. So I'm sure he said something. As for him kind of always being that way, look, 
it's the way the organization is, right? Like this is an organization that's kind of built around secrecy. Uh, a lot of times they don't like to make a lot of public comments. They like to kind of just put forward one whole message um, to, to the media, to the fan base at any given time. It's just the way it is. I think that's partly why they got Dave Haxtall to be the coach for this team was because he was going to say things like that. And it was going to keep times when, when times are rough, like earlier in the season, when you go on the eight game losing streak, like the recent stretch here, like after a tough loss to the San Jose Sharks, he's, he's not going to come out and say anything controversial. He's not going to come out and, and, and create a media firestorm that the players are going to have to deal with that the organization's going to have to deal with right you know what i mean like the national media is not going to turn all their eyes on seattle and be like wow look at this coach he's kind of losing his mind or whatever he's really going off on his guys like i really don't think the kraken as an organization wanted that and so they chose somebody who wasn't going to be that and i think largely that is okay because i think the national media would only ever turn all their eyes onto seattle if it was bad right like seattle the kraken are basically a microcosm of hockey as a whole where people only pay attention to it in the larger sports context when there's a bad news headline. And that's the way West Coast teams are for the NHL as a whole, right? Unless you've just won the Stanley Cup, they're really only going to spend, say, 15 minutes of like the top hockey podcasts on you if things are just really bad. And so I, I think that there is something to to behaving the way that he behaves. I don't I don't think that it's a bad thing. Um, I, I think he is he's staying true to himself. And I think that that's what the Kraken wanted. Yeah. And it's it's betting on himself, betting on the team. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, that the results have to come in. Right. If the you results aren't there, ultimately. That. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, you know, the results, if they're not there then there's going to be changes anyway. That's just, that's just how it works. It's sports. Um, and so also the more I think about it too, like I, I really don't want the guys thinking about this game, like during the break, like when they come back, when they come back and they're about to face the flyers, then I kind of want them reminded about this game and how it went and how you can't take things lightly and where they are in the standings. But this is really their last chance to rest and relax for the rest of the season. I mean, you know, you get right back to it in February. March is going to be a heck of a grind. And then you're into April, the home stretch of the season, right? This is really their only chance. And I mean, we were talking for the last week or two about how needed this was for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want it weighing on their minds because it's just going to get exhausting by the time the season's over. Yeah, yeah, no, that is true. And th again, it's not the worst scenario in the world that you are two points back of a playoff spot. Right? Like you could be in such worse shape, especially given the fact that this is a team that started the season off slow. It's a team that had an eight game losing streak. It's a team that's played poorly recently and you are still only two points back, right? Like they have been able to survive a lot of things that normally as a team, you wouldn't be able to survive all that. But this year you are graced with just mediocrity everywhere in the Western Conference, right? Every team around you is is just completely mediocre and incapable of putting together a, a run. And so the Kraken are kind of, you know, in this spot where all you got to do is put together a little run and you're probably fine, right? Like that's all you've got to do. Sometime in the next 32 games is go on another six-game win streak and don't have another six-game losing streak. You're probably a playoff team.
That's it. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of the odd reality of this, right? As we look at the standings, kind of check in on where the Kraken are at the All-Star break. I mean, yes, they're fourth in the wild card race. Top two teams will make it. Uh, but they're only two points behind L.A., St. Louis and Nashville. And as you were talking about before we started recording, you you just put a parenthesis, mediocre, mediocre, mediocre. And then the Kraken, like, you know, got to take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you look at where the projected, you know, playoff kind of cutoff line is. I look at evolving hockey and just their point projections. I mean, they put the the line for the wild card, the Western Conference here at 89 points. That is insanely low. That's I mean, usually so you're talking about, you know, the Kraken were in the top wild card spot last season with 100 points. You know, this is uh, very different than the normal year. And, and so as a result, you know, just to get to that, you know, 90 point mark, you know, you just need like 52 points in 50 games. That's a, you know, 97 point pace over over a full season. Like, that's certainly doable. Like the Kraken can absolutely do that. You know, on the flip side of it, though, you look at playoff odds and, and you know, because some of these other teams have games in hand. And there's a lot of teams, too, because all it takes is one of those teams catching fire. Mm-hmm. You know, if for some reason, the St. Louis Blues go on a long run or the Nashville Predators go on a long run. Your numbers start to really change there. And so, you know, I'm looking at some of the major sites, the playoff odds. Money Puck, which is always the most optimistic about the Kraken. They love the Kraken yeah. for, for whatever reason. You know, they've got the Kraken at 41% to make the playoffs. So, you know, that's more likely than not that they'd miss. Um, Evolving Hockey, which I kind of tend to trust the most of these three that I'm going to talk about, at 27%. They're kind of in the middle. And then the Athletic, the most pessimistic at 22%. But you look at those numbers, and that doesn't necessarily inspire a lot of confidence. And and I think that's something that Dave Haxtell realized going into this game as well, how important those points were. The fact he started Joey Decord, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. give Philip Grubauer a game to kind of get back into things. You don't want to risk it. You start your better goalie. And, you know, I I just think he realizes the situation they're in now, how much each of these points matter. I'm telling you at the end of the season, if the Kraken are still in the mix, right. The difference is going to be, like one, two or three points. It's going to be very, very close. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it's looking right now. It's been within just a couple of points for the Kraken for a while now. So there's little reason to think that would change for them, right? Like it's, (laughs) this is just the realities (laughs) of it now. I I don't see why it wouldn't. I guess I understand them being around 25% chances of making the playoffs because you know what, RJ? I mean, they're one of four teams in this situation. And you figure, look, the Kings, they've got so many more games in hand than the other three. They probably get a larger piece of the pie. Yeah, so then, you know, you're talking about one spot for the Blues, Preds, or Kraken. So maybe they should be around 33% chance of making it. I don't know. But that's that all seems like fair and appropriate. And again, it's just one of those situations where the Kraken are going to control their own destiny from here on out. They have the whole time. And Haxtell mentioned that. He he said, we control our own destiny. That's basically how he closed out his uh, media availability last time. Yeah. So, like, that is is the realities of it. The problem is, if you control your own destiny, you can't have performances like last night, where you are playing a team that is, you know, everywhere organizationally except for the players taking the ice trying to lose. (laughs) And, And you go out there and you find a way to just not get it done. Like, that's the problem, is those are the games that you have to get it done just regardless of anything, regardless of the fact that you're tired and it's one game before the All-Star break. You you can't you can't let Vlasic outscore you in a game, RJ. You just can't. That shouldn't ever be a thing that happens to an NHL team. 
but he's been unstoppable, Dylan. Four points in his last game. No, I, I'm not. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm not making excuses there. And then look, I said going into this stretch of these last four games, my mindset, I will excuse any ugly win. You can mm-hmm. win ugly however you want. I will not complain at all. That's why I didn't complain after the Chicago game or the Columbus game. I don't care. Win ugly, but you have to win. Yep. And, and you know, and last night they didn't. No, they did not. So that leaves us, you know, that's that's kind of the stuff that happened here recently. Now we've got to look ahead to the future, RJ. Obviously, it's going into the All-Star break. They're going to have time off. They're going to, you know, hopefully be able to get, you know, healed up, rest up, all that kind of stuff. <sighs> What do we think happens on the other side of this, right? Because, like, they're going to have to to come out. They can't kind of continue playing the way that they played, right? We know that that's not going to be sustainable. That's not going to help you make up the two-point difference between you and a wild card spot. H- how do you think they, they come back from, from the break, RJ? And what do you think we need to see? Because coming back from the break, you've got, like, about 10, maybe 11 games before the trade deadline too. 11, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to have to show the front office also which kind of team you are because the front office has a very hard deadline there in early March where they're going to have to decide what direction this team is going. Right. I mean, the trade deadline is March 8th. You have 11 games before that, uh, which is not a whole lot of time to kind of find a way in the standings, which way you're going up or down the crack and have some expiring contracts. They've got the Everly deal. They've got Wenberg. They've got Schultz that you kind of need to make decisions on one way or another. Are you keeping them or are you letting them go? And this is the second time I think we've said this, this season, right? But this stretch defines the season, like coming up these, these next 10 games or so it's all going to be on that because the front office has to make those decisions. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Yeah. Now, what are the odds that, say, the Kraken do what they've done all year, RJ, which is they they find a way to split those games, okay? And they are virtually in the same spot they're in right now, where you are on the outside looking in, but boy, are you close. What does the front office do? I think they stand pat. I think Francis doesn't sell off, and I think he doesn't really, maybe brings in somebody very minor, Although I don't know how much that helps you. Look, the way this team is constructed, they are built to stand pat at the trade deadline yeah. because they've, when they're healthy, they've got crazy amounts of depth. Like how do you even get somebody who's a depth add into the lineup? Right. You can't. Kyle Yamamoto is as bad as the Kraken have been playing. Yamamoto has been a scratch for like these last four games, right? He can't find a way into the lineup. What depth forward are you getting that's gonna that's gonna jump him and everybody else in the lineup? And then same thing with the D. Like Riker Evans can't even get into the lineup. So who are you adding? You know, you'd have to add a top guy, and which if you're in the standings, maybe outside the playoff bubble, you're certainly not doing that. So I think this team, more than really any others out there, is just built to stand pat at the deadline, kind of regardless of what happens, unless they go on a run, they win the 10 games in a row or something, then you're looking to add something more substantial. But I don't see that happening. I, I don't see that happening. I also don't know that they would add something more substantial based on a run like that. Like, I think they'd be yeah, like, great, we, we, we built ourselves a little <laughs> bit of a cushion here in a way that nobody else has seemingly been able to. And we will just, you know, find a way to get to the playoffs at that point. Um, I mean, you look at last year, the runs they were on and, and Francis didn't really add anything besides no. Magna. No, and you you know you brought in a, a Tomash Tatar, right? Like he's he's helped contribute in in some ways. I'm with you. There's just no there's no spots to add somebody. Like I don't know where you would add somebody, unless you were to go out and get. I, I mean, who's even like the big trade deadline like big fish forward? Say 
this year? Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel, right? If, if the, the if Penguins willing to move, move him. him. Right. I, I don't know that if you're the crack at it, it don't makes do sense that, to try to no, do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Ron Francis would. So it's, it is one of those. I think the only thing that, that could happen for them at the deadline is if they come out and they lose eight of the next 11, do you think they yeah. sell, right? Or do you do you think that they're going to stand pat anyway? Because I could see Ron Francis standing pat with guys like Jordan Eberle or a Justin Schultz or a Wenberg just because, look, you still want to finish the season strong because you got to worry about season tickets and you got to worry about all these other things if you're the crack. You can't just focus solely on, you know, the realities of what the team are at that standpoint and the fact that you've played too well. And even if you sell those guys off, I don't know that this team is bad enough to truly end up with a high draft pick anyway. No, they're really not. I mean, that's you look at the other side of the standings when you start scrolling down and you see teams at the bottom like San Jose or, or Chicago or Anaheim. The Kraken aren't catching them from a you know less no. points perspective, right? Uh, from a draft position perspective, you're really not. So there's only so low you can go. It, look, there's only one direction that this team can go, and it and it's up. That they're they're willing to lean into, and it's up, I guess. Um, and, and yeah, you mentioned the season tickets thing. That's that's going to be huge. That's hanging over everybody. You've got those three year season ticket renewals, and you know I, I think there's a little bit of nervousness around that. And and so you want the best result you can possibly have in the standings. I I think it's very unlikely they'd sell off. I think if you've maybe lost eight or nine of these eleven, maybe one player goes. Just, just for Francis to kind of recoup some assets that he can use in the offseason to really try and turn things around. You know, he did that year one when the writing was clearly on the wall. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're right. I don't think him doing he does a whole kind of wholesale sell off. I just it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. No. And I mean, I guess maybe maybe I could talk myself into it here as I think about it more. Right. Like Wenberg, I think you and I both agree. Great well, ad for guy. a contending team, right? Like he is the easiest guy to move out because he brings defensive value to somebody, to an organization, especially if the Kraken would retain, say, half of that contract for the rest of the year. Um, the, o the only other thing I guess you could say is, look, you really do want to get Riker Evans into the lineup. And if you're just not going to play him over Justin Schultz, then you need to move Justin Schultz. Yes. I don't know that well, that and happens. that's that's only the you know that's if you feel like you don't have a shot at the playoffs because if you do right. then you want them around both of them around for depth right yeah so it's like it's I, I just I don't think we're gonna see the the big sell off that some fans out there are kind of calling for um, I I don't think the playoffs are as out of reach as a lot of people think they are but at the same time they they're gonna have to to force the issue essentially right like that's where the Kraken are at they gotta put themselves into that conversation. Looking even further, farther out than that, RJ, than, than next month, looking up at the offseason, I know you talk about a lot of this stuff on your armchair GM streams and things, but I think there's also then some, some questions that the Kraken have to start looking at, or at least as fans we start looking at for the offseason, and that includes the fact that one of the things that's kind of killed them this year is the fact that they don't have a star player. They don't have a player... I mean, they don't even need to be a star, just a point-per-game player, RJ, right? Somebody who can just drive offense, who on any given night is going to help generate a goal for your team, whether it's through an assist or a goal themselves, scoring themselves. They are going to generate a goal a game for your team because that's, that's what teams need. You need at least one of those guys. At the bare minimum, I think you need one of those players, RJ, and the Kraken don't have one. 
And, and I think that's really been holding them back this year because there's a lot of close losses, a lot of times where you could have really changed momentums of some of these streaks for them if you had somebody who could just get you on the board on any given night, like last night, for example. Yeah, I was going to bring up last night. I mean, it was very clear last night that this team is just lacking star power, somebody who can kind of break through and make the difference in a game like that. I mean, it was just begging for it, right? 0-0 for the longest time against a team that's honestly not all that skilled, and they just don't have a game breaker. And you can see it in the aggregate numbers over the course of this season. I mean, just looking at point scoring, right? You know, Their leading scorer is Oliver Bjorkstrand. He's 67th in the NHL in point scoring. They, you know, their second leading point scorer is Vince Dunn at 85th. You know, that, there, there's nobody, right, you you look at 32 teams, you know, yeah. that's that's nobody in like a top two player per team if it was evenly distributed. You know, nobody in the mm -hmm. top 64 there in scoring. Uh, you just need better if you're going to be a serious contender and certainly to get through some of these regular season games. Like the Kraken's depth approach is great in the playoffs. We've talked about that. We've seen the success that they had last season, but you have to get there. And sometimes you need a star to kind of help you through those games to get there. Because I, I, what was it? Our first or second podcast of the season is this team too built for the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, we're like we love this depth, but do they have enough in the regular season to get there? We were starting to ask that question in you know, October, right? Right. Um, and I think that question certainly still remains as we hit the All Star break, starting off February. Um, so I, I think actually I think the question's kind of been answered, right? They just they do need more star power. The problem is. Like, where does it come from? And I explored some options in the armchair GM stream, but like, yeah, they ranged from, you know, signing Jake Gensel in the offseason to Elias Pettersson offer sheet, which is not going to happen. I, I no. said that right off the bat. It's, it will not happen. And, and I know you've expressed some doubts about who even is going to be available. Can they make a move this offseason? I, I guess I've countered with like, well, what choice do they have? Right, but I, it, you could, you could be desperate, but that doesn't mean you, you get <laughs> yeah, what you want, happen, yeah. right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't actually end up meaning anything. And I think Ron Francis is gonna have to get creative because there are very few free agents this off season, right? Nylander's already off the market. You're looking at probably Sam Reinhardt, Jake Gensel. Those are your two like game breaking That's players. That's it. And guess what? Like what? 28 other teams are going to want those two guys. <laughs> like, so you, you're yeah. going to have to, you're going to have to overpay for one of them. If you are to bring one in, you're going to have to overpay for them because there's just too many people in need of their services. That's just the reality of it. And then you have to worry about what that does to the rest of the roster. I don't know. I, and they're going to still have to want to come here. Yes. Like you have to convince them to come to this team. You've got to overpay them. It, and then you have to hope that really they're enough. Because mm -hmm. like that's because the there's side major questions about both of those two guys as far as there whether is. they're enough. There you is. know, Gensel's a really solid player, but is he that game breaker level? I'm I'm not convinced. And and Reinhardt, you know, shooting at the most unsustainable shooting percentage this year, like 27. percent We know he's not going to do what he did this year. He's a great player, solid player. Yeah. But then, how much is a team going to be willing to pay him based on what he's done this year? He's going to have to be a massive overpay. Right. Like I mean, we've talked about it. He's on pace for what? What'd you say? 62 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say he gets there. You're going you're gonna to pay him for a 60 goal pace when really he's been a career 30 to 35 guy. Like that's you can't. No, right? but somebody will. You can't, but somebody will. And you don't want the Kraken to be that team. But on the on the flip side, RJ, then I look at what their roster looks like next year and I just go, 
there's I mean, you're you're lucky to be back in this situation where you're then going to only be a couple points out of it. Right. Like I, I you you need to bank on Matty Beniers bouncing back from a sophomore slump. You have to hope that this is just a sophomore slump for Matty Beniers. And this isn't just say, you know, some of the stuff that I saw when scouting him originally, which was great 200 foot player, great driver of offense, does not produce production wise, point wise, goal wise. Right. That's just not his thing. Uh, and you'd have to hope that Shane Wright is who you think he is right away, right? Like those then become the this plan and the strategy for next year. And that's, that's dicey, man. That's really dicey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot riding on, especially Shane Wright too. Cause even if Maddie's able to get, you know, kind of toward what he was last season, as you pointed out in the, his draft profile, he's just not that player who's going to score a whole bunch for you and carry the load there. You're, you're, banking a whole bunch on Shane Wright being the kind of scorer he is at the AHL level, but at the NHL level. Yeah. And and right away too. You can't wait a year right. or two for him to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you need it immediately. And that's a lot to ask for anybody. And, and I don't know that it would be reasonable to ask or expect. And so things, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that we find ourselves in this situation after last year, RJ, where, this was a team that was in game seven of round two and it looked like, wow, this depth is really playing. And you think Maddie Paneers takes a step forward next year. You maybe, maybe you add one piece during the off season, something like that. And, and a way this team is going to go. And instead they've just kind of been a middling group and there's a little bit of hope for the immediate future, but all of a sudden the long-term future looks very, very cloudy and murky. And I just truly did not expect to be here this past off season, RJ. Right. I mean, it's, it's okay. Cause I, it's okay. As long as you can make that big addition this off season, right? Everything was setting up for this to be kind of the transition season from that original core to now it's the veneers and right plus whatever star you bring in core and you work with that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just you, the star you bring in is so important. And I don't know who's out there. <laughs> yeah. I now it look, there are always certain people available and it's not publicly known stuff like that. I do trust Ron Francis's ability to work the phones, RJ, and try to find those players and try to create a deal. I think he is one of the the better guys at say sneakily making a deal, right? He doesn't allow news or information to get out from his um his office at all. So if if when something happens, most likely it will be a surprise to all of us. Um, and and it could just come at any time and out of nowhere. And so there is always that to kind of like, you know, that's a positive, but also at the same time, it's a little hard to like hang your hat on it. Like, well, mysteriously at any given time, Ron could just do something and, and it'll be good. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess it's the same thing, just organizationally, like, right, trust us, it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. He'll pull a reverse Batman and just appear out of nowhere instead of disappearing out of nowhere. <laughs> He's just going to be like, hey, here you go, and here's a star player. And it's like, wow, cool, thanks, man. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. Anything else you want to talk about with, like, you know, questions of the future for this team, whether it's this season or beyond, RJ? I mean, I guess... G- give me a second to think about it here, because I'm, as I'm scrolling through my notes, right, I... I have, you know, like basically we, we talked about, you know, the, the big addition and what if it's not there? What do you I guess what do you do if there's if there is no mystery star out there? Like if you're Francis, do you just bank that cap space? Do you do you 
bring back Eberly? Do you and and maybe sign like a try and go after a Lindholm? Like, is that worse? Yeah, I mean, if you go after Lindholm, you're essentially saying we're going to lose Alexander Wenberg and replace him with Alexander Wenberg, right? Like, because you're just bringing in another 200 foot center that's going to focus defensively and not contribute offensively, which is your problem right now. So, like, it doesn't make sense. Although I feel like that is what most likely Ron Francis would do. Um, I would give that the best odds right now. I would as well. I think what you have to do if 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 you can't say get one of those guys reasonably if you can't make a trade i think you do have to bank the cap space i think you go ahead bring back eberly on a cheaper deal you you hope shane's ready to go and can contribute right away you hope maddie can turn things around next year you hope Riker evans can come in and fill the justin schultz void uh well which we've already seen he can um and i think then what you do is you wait for over the course of next season rj some a, a team to start faltering a player to you know become unhappy with their certain situation right and you just have to make sure you are the first guy on whatever situation arises next off next during the course of next season and you pounce on it the moment it looks like you know you can do something right like that's that's what you do because realistically this team if you run it back next year and you bring up Shane Wright to replace Wenberg and you have um, Riker Evans replaced Justin Schultz. They're probably as good as they are right now. They're gonna be an above. They're gonna be an average to slightly above average team. You'll be in the in the loose playoff hunt, and then when there's a situation to take advantage of, because you're the team with cap space, you can take advantage of it, and hopefully then that puts you over the top, right? Yeah, I, I would rather leave the space. I mean, you you said it perfectly. I guess there's always a distressed asset that becomes available some way somehow even if you can't predict it um i mean recently i guess and he's not the kind of player the kraken were necessarily looking for but like cutter goche like right. you know who saw that coming aside from you know the, the people with the intimate knowledge of it but like the flyers you know, that, it, yeah that, that kind of stuff happens right yeah. um and you never know who it's gonna be i mean that's that's i guess the risk too is that it's a player that you know maybe isn't the best fit for you and you're kind of stuck having to, to make a deal there but it might be their best option at this point. I know we're looking really far into the future, but um, and I guess the one thing you also pro you know proposed to me before this was like having it be just really a take a step back type of year and just try and get another high draft pick for another kind of star player. But you know, I did counter saying like just in the larger picture with you know the the season ticket thing at the end of this year and with also I mean how much uh, I, I know there's been no official announcement, but like with with the sonics eventually coming back like do you have to start thinking about that too because i really do think they have kind of this limited window to capture the city's attention in a way that they haven't done yet uh yeah. before the sonics arrive because if yeah. you don't do it by then i think you're in real trouble i mean unless the nba is going to relocate a team you'd have a little bit of runway right like they're not going to announce an expansion team and mm -hmm. then have that team come to play next season Right. Like that's that's right. not going to happen. It's going to take at minimum a year. So you would have a year in which to kind of tr try to do something. I think realistically, the NBA, you're looking at at the Sonics or, or a NBA team coming back to the, the city of Seattle as you've got two years minimum before that happens from right now. 
right? And so as long as you were then competitive the year after you took a year to be bad, you're okay maybe, but you'd have to really make sure you were competitive and you have a star player that like people get excited by. I don't know. It Look, it's going to be like every market. You're going to have an NBA team. It's going to be 15 times more popular than your NHL team. That's just the reality of it, right? There's there's a sport that, you know, actually markets to its fans and tries to create interest for itself. That's not the NHL. That's every other league, actually. So I think you're always going to have that issue. I don't know that you totally want to worry about that. I think there's it's a separate conversation about why the Kraken maybe haven't captured as much interest as they otherwise should mm-hmm. have and the things they could be doing better there. That would be a not much longer podcast if we got into all of that. But I, I don't think you can kind of operate from a position of fear or worry over something that is just going to be inevitable anyway, right? Like, of all the things to operate from fear and worry, that, that one seems not like the thing I would choose. I would be much more worried about, like, say, the season ticket issue that's a much more, more immediate problem. Um, well, or speaking just... of that, though, wasn't it, it was three, five, and seven years, right, yes. were the intervals? Yes. And so year five is going to come up off the know. It's a really tough spot that they find themselves in because they don't have a superstar. And look, you had two high draft picks. You took Matty Beneers who is a very solid player. Again, I I love Matty Beniers. So, so good as a hockey player. He's not going to produce points for you. I, I said it at the draft. He's not a point-per-game guy, but he's a really solid hockey player, and he's going to have a long career, and he's going to contribute to Stanley Cup teams, right? I do believe that. He has the skill set to do that, but he's not a point-per-game guy. He's not going to be... Um, you know, in that sense, the face of a franchise. If you, if you need a guy who's constantly scoring goals to be the face of a franchise, it's not Matty Beniers. Shane Wright has that potential, but also his journey has been a roller coaster. And I don't know that it won't continue to be a roller coaster, at least over the course of the next couple of years, right? It's entirely possible he comes in next year, puts up 25 goals, similar to Matty, and then takes a step back for his sophomore season. There's nothing that says that can't happen to him too, right? And then again, you're looking at the end of year five. So they had they had two top five draft picks. You got the guys you got. You you have to ride it out with them. They're both really good players. But also, you made a choice when you drafted both of them, knowing that they are defensive guys. They're 200-foot players, right? You know, you drafted Matty Beniers over a Mason McTavish. That was a choice. I think it's the right choice for a playoff team. But also, I didn't think the Kraken were going to find themselves in positions where getting to the playoffs, they were going to struggle so much, right? And that's, that's I think, an interesting thing that long-term we're always going to kind of look back on and and, and think about um, is just the realities of, of that. Yeah, and especially how how talented of a, a draft that was. And I'm not saying you know, it was the wrong pick, but just different different ways you could go there. And it's not a problem. Like, again, he's he's fits into that, like, Jonathan Taves, Andre Kopitar kind of mold, right? I mean, right. you know, Taves had one point per game season over his whole career, right? But you know, you you need a Patrick Kane and and some good secondary scoring to to go in and and help you win those Stanley Cups. And I mean, that's just kind of what the the Kraken are lacking is that star player who can who can kind of go be Showtime. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's going to be Matt Barzell, RJ. I, he's I he's mentioned the only him one that makes the sense. The only person yeah. that makes sense because. This Islanders team's not going anywhere this year. They're not going anywhere next year. 
Like what? Like and and it's an aging team. I know they just brought in Patrick Waugh, but like, come on, Matt Barzell, you're just gonna waste your entire prime playing there. Like at some point, he's gonna ask to to be let out, right? You'd think so. You'd hope so. I mean, of course, with the Seattle connections being a T-bird, like it just would be the perfect fit. Like that's one where where Francis just should be monitoring that situation at all times in case. I mean, the only problem is he's just he's under contract, you know, forever for off the page. Yeah, forever. Um, and so the Islanders don't really have to move him unless he forces the issue. So it's it's going to be one to watch. But I, I don't know. Uh, if I'm he doesn't have any trade protection, so yeah, right. You don't. Not that he would that. ever turn down a trade to Seattle if that's you know if he wanted to be moved out. I think he that's a place he would be willing to go. Agreed, agreed. So yeah, I, I mean, but like that that's the kind you'd of almost stuff want him to have trade protection because then like you might help you know limit the right, Islanders' yes, leverage. Seriously, seriously. But that that's like the kind of stuff that that Ron Francis is going to have to start looking at. And and again, I'm sure behind the scenes there is stuff that we don't even know about that he could be totally in on and that's just the way it is um i couldn't have been sebastian aho rj i I know so bad i wanted that so bad all right all right so let's let's focus on something a little bit more positive here rj we we talked about him earlier he is the kraken's leading scorer this season it is oliver bjorkstrand and he is now going to be on his way to toronto rj for the all-star game Super excited for him. Obviously, I've been a fan of Oliver Bjorkstrand going back to um, our shared time with the Winterhawks, which sounds a lot more impressive than it was on my end. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been a fan of his for a long time. I think he's a, he's a great guy. You know that, you know, he's always super nice in the locker room to chat with. He's had a fantastic season here for the Kraken, totally deserving of this all-star appearance. But as I look ahead to the all-star game, RJ, one we neither of us care about the game itself or games nope, or how, however that's going to play out don't care about that at all you know just all you're hoping for is just that nothing bad happens um he's not going to participate in the skills competition this year right they they have the new format where it's it's kind of like the 12 most skilled guys in the league and that's it and and he he's not going to be one of those so really the thing to watch for if you're a Seattle Kraken fan RJ for Oliver Bjorkstrand this weekend is which of the four teams is going to draft him on Thursday to be a part of their group. You've got Team Austin Matthews, Team Connor McDavid, Team Nathan McKinnon, and Team Hugheses with Captains Jack and <laughs> Quinn Hughes. This, to me, is the big question. This, to me, is the fun thing to look forward to if you're a Kraken fan for the All-Star Game, RJ, is which of those groups is going to be picking our boy Oliver Bjorkstrand? Right. I mean, it's the first event, really, right? It's Thursday. Yep. Thursdays. Thursday after the draft. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like really the big thing to watch for, for Bjorkstrand and everything will be over on Thursday before the skills and before the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be four teams with celebrity captains as well. Yes. You know, Matthews Bieber, McDavid with Will Arnett, uh, Nathan McKinnon with Tate McRae, and then the Hugheses is with uh, Michael Bublé, who was actually just hanging around in Seattle uh, filming something, yes. filming a movie. Um, so uh, do you have, are you leaning any way as far as which of these teams is smart enough to draft Oliver Bjorkstrand? Because look, he's not the flashiest player, no. but he is the sensible pick. He is. Uh, which, which, Captain celebrity pairing screams sensible to you. None of them. <laughs> None of 
of this seems sensible. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know which one seems least sensible to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, is that Team Matthews by chance? Because that's what I would say. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Austin Matthews and Justin Bieber. There is nothing sensible, like, smart or rational about that team. Tell me that team isn't going to be just Toronto Maple Leafs plus the Vancouver Canucks, which I think would be great because then that's a really yes. easy team to root against. Yeah, I mean, they're they're the perfect heel there. Of course, I mean, you know, with the home crowd going to be on their side, but everybody outside of Toronto could just root against them. Yeah, in Vancouver, which is always which is always fun and good. Um, I, I'm really trying to think about this because I, I think, you know, you're not drafting him for the skills competition. You're drafting him for the game. The games are still three on three, right? Yep. Yeah. So you're drafting him. Uh, most of these guys are forwards. You're 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 thinking, you know, if I got to play with this guy, who's who who really like sets him up the best? In some ways, that might be Austin Matthews, right? Oliver Bjorkstrand. He's a great setup guy. He can play, you know, three on three very well. It might be Austin Matthews, but I think it's Nathan McKinnon. Tell me, Nathan McKinnon and Oliver Bjorkstrand couldn't just score so many goals together because Bjorkstrand is perfect for a guy like Nathan McKinnon. He's he can hold on to the puck, he can skate it into the zone, give you a controlled entry. Then Nathan McKinnon can just fly in with his speed. Bjorkstrand can deliver a perfect pass into the slot, and there you go. There, it's a goal every single time. Yeah, I think the chemistry is there, and I was leaning toward that team. Also, I feel like of the celebrity captains, like. Tate McRae would probably help draft the best team. I don't know. I feel like she'd easy. just be smart about it. Easy. Compared to the others. Easy, easy, easy. Yes. No, that a thousand percent. So I think that I think they're going to draft the best team. And yeah. I think Bjorkstrand is going to be a good value pick. Certainly, mm -hmm. I, I I bet he'll last till later in the draft. He's, you know, well, I'll, I'll get to that question later. <laughs> the other team I could see potentially is is the Hughes team in case they just want to go for that slight frames, like the smallest team possible and that lean into great. that, which they should do. That would be fantastic, actually. <laughs> So I I, I kind of would want to see that as well if they really leaned into the whole concept. Yeah, they could. I don't know that they will. <laughs> that Probably not. Doesn't seem like the thing they would try to do. You can't draft all the biggest players and make like the two of you look really short. No, I mean, how I still don't know. Like Jack Hughes isn't going to be playing, but he's still one of the oh, captains. Right. But that that puts that team already at down a player. Right, because like mm. all of these teams, they have one the 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 team captain, and then they have an assistant captain. Austin Matthews has Morgan Riley, Connor McDavid has Leon Drysidel, uh, Nathan McKinnon has Kale McCarr, and then the Hughes was that you had Jack and Quinn Hughes together. But now, I mean, somebody's got to replace Jack Hughes, or does that that team? Well, just I get think two I think they picks? already did something with that. Here, let me let me go look because I, I got I know an they email replaced from the NHL him. yesterday. I know they replaced him for the skills competition, and they replaced him with a player for the game. But I'm wondering if that player gets automatically added to Team Hughes as his replacement for that, right? Like, I I know they added I saw somebody something they for said the to pool. balance the rosters or something. Oh, okay. Hang on. Okay. There let me go. let me look at this. Oh, it's an NHL um, PR email though, everybody. So this could take a while as he sifts through all of the minutia and sponsors. Where is yeah. the Cheetos All Star replacement player, RJ? That's what you're looking for. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Presented um, by Jaeger. Like, that would be it. It'd, have, it'd be bookended with sponsors. But yes, that that has been something. added to the roster, replacing Jack Hughes. Barzell replaces Hughes' participant in the skills. Uh -huh. um, 
Hughes will be slated to be in Toronto. To even out the rosters, Canucks forward Elias Pettersson will join Team Hughes as an assistant captain for the draft. There All it right. is. So there it is. All right. Okay. So, it's so it's Pettersson. Pettersson. Okay. Well, now, also, he, now he totally fits on this team, though, RJ. I know. With the smaller <laughs> players. But also, I mean, and he'll, you know what? He'll be a good late pick because with the early picks, now they have to lean into all Canucks. Yes, they so do. So you're not going to have the Leafs and Canucks. So you're going to have like Matthews with all the Leafs. You're going to have Hughes and Pedersen with all the Canucks. Mm-hmm. And so then he'll just be on Team Vancouver. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Yeah. Honorary Pacific Northwest hockey player. <laughs> that's that's I guess, what it turns yeah. into. I don't know. Yeah. All right. We need Tate McRae to save us from this. <laughs> it, absolutely. And, you know, again, I feel like I feel like you could convince Nathan McKinnon to have have a good solid player on on his team. Like he's going to be competitive. He's going to be the most competitive. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that's a thousand percent sure. In any room or competition or anything, if Nathan McKinnon's there, he will be the most competitive. Yeah. Um, it is going to be interesting though. Cause like, yes, you have Matthews, you know, really taking all of those guys. You're going to have uh, all the, the Leafs. You're going to have the team Vancouver. The fact then that you have McKinnon and McDavid, both as Western conference players, do you think we see Western Conference guys like all off the board with several Eastern Conference players then still left on the board just because everybody kind of wants to take the people that they know and play in and around more often? Because that's traditionally how this stuff goes. Right. I mean, I, I do wonder about that. But I mean, I think if it was the other way around, if they were all Eastern Conference captains, I would say, yeah, you'd get a bunch of the Western guys left. But, you know, I feel like you're not going to have... Well, actually, I don't know, maybe like so this this kind of like segues in the conversation, too. I was going to ask is um, what do you think the odds are that Bjorkstrand is picked last? I think they're higher than I want them to be. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm I, with you on that. That's what I because look, he's not going to be an early pick. I mean, I, I think that that much no, is clear. Yeah. Just being a Seattle Kraken and. You know, not maybe not being like a huge also also not he being has no like a fellow countryman because right. the no, other thing is you draft. Yeah, yes. There's no international guys. And none of these guys were even WHL guys. Right. Like there's no junior right. connection to any of them. It's tough because <laughs> that's the other thing that, that saves you. Right. And like in a draft is like, well, I, I was on the national team with with Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. Right. Like or we played junior together. Right. I was I was in the queue with Nathan McKinnon. So like we've got this bond. Like there's none of right. that for for any any of these guys. <laughs> no, there there really isn't. I mean, like, look for former. Yeah, no, not was he <laughs> former teammates with any of these guys? No, no, no. Like at any level, <laughs> international, any level. junior, growing, nothing. There's been nothing. There's been no connection for Bjorkstrand to any of them, which really makes him, in some cases, RJ, the ultimate wild card. And I think that's fun as our representative. We get the ultimate wild card. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I really think the ultimate value pick. Yes, he is like, he's absolutely the ultimate value pick. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think he goes last. I think there will be other people um, that, that you, who would... else do you think's in that conversation? Uh, let me pull up the full roster. Then. Cause I'm looking. Yeah. Maybe Boone. Wait, is Boone Jenner going? Is Boone Jenner going? Or no, was he hurt? I don't know. He remember. has the broken okay. jaw, but he's playing right now, so. Okay, so maybe Boone Jenner, maybe, I don't know, Frank Vetrano? I could see Vetrano. I bet there's some yeah. kind of connection, though. Some guy, One of those guys will play with him at some level. I mean, it's going to be interesting, right? Because you're going to have, you. I mean, Debrinket? Although, oh no, McDavid played with Debrinket. Yeah, no, 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 no. McDavid's taking Debrinket for, for sure. sure. Nick Suzuki? Somebody going to be in a big rush to grab Nick Suzuki? Really? 
Maybe. I mean, I guess if the Hugheses are leaning into the small team thing. Travis Konechny? That might be another one. I mean, I don't, like, I'm we'll, just where saying, the goalies like, go, are... right? Cam Talbot? No, Tom Wilson, RJ. Teammate. Somebody got to take Tom Wilson over Oliver Bjorkstrand because they want grit on their roster? Well, I, I we addressed this, what was it, on Red Glare, where I said that was the ideal first pick. You take Tom Wilson so you don't have to play against him. That is true. You don't have to worry about it. But I'm just saying, like him, Frank Vitrano, like I would I would take Oliver Bjorkstrand over these guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Like what's going to be interesting is like the goalies. Like do these teams all go like net out and you secure the goalie you want, hopefully, before you have to deal with it? I don't well, know. see, that's the key. Like I don't know. Or if you're, if you're guaranteed a goalie last or so you know what i mean if everyone else has their goalies you yeah know then you don't, don't have anymore. to take one right mm-hmm. if if cam and that would take some of the, the only goalie like, left pressure off the to. last pick i guess i don't know yeah they should just do a separate you know, i hope whichever team i hope whichever team takes bjorkstrand takes hurdle that would be fun the smiles be per 60 would be off the charts absolutely as i'm looking and they're like the only two guys with smiling headshots in this whole group <laughs> i mean mckinnon's doing his best to smile but it's not great. <laughs> you can tell his face is not used to it. Um, I'll say that. Yeah, but no, there's other guys. Amount, Dylan, as you know, you need a certain amount of carbs Again, to do a full smile. That is true. Yes, he, he, he conservation of movement. Why would you waste that on smiling? Um, I'm just saying, in a three-on-three tournament, there are guys that I would... I would definitely not want, right? And like guys like Tom Wilson, Frank Vetrano, I mean... Oliver Bjorkstrand is such a better skater. He's so capable of playing like a more dynamic game three on three than guys like that. If, if they take them, then it is because they are one afraid of Tom Wilson or two. They played like junior with Vetrano, right? Like that's it. Yeah. And I mean, look, this, this is how this draft is decided. They're not looking to create the best team. Maybe team McKinnon will, I don't know. That's, that's the one I'm holding out hope for. Maybe they'll have the, he'll want to create the best team and win the thing, but otherwise they're just drafting their friends. Here's what I'm saying. I don't think Oliver Bjorkstrand is Phil Kessel, RJ. He doesn't have the Phil Kessel qualities that would lead you to be picked dead last in every all-star draft. Um, uh, Yeah. Do you think, do you think it's already worked out? Who will be picked last? Just as like a last topic here before we close it all out. It wouldn't surprise me if the, if the league kind of figured something out with that because it was such a big deal last time and no yeah. one want... Don't be afraid of it. Lean into I don't if, know. If it's rigged for who's going to be picked last, who do you think it is? Because I have, in my mind, the perfect player for it. Okay. Well, give me give me one second here to... All right. Well, I'll tell you mine then. Okay, while well, you is think... Is it Sidney Crosby? It's Sidney Crosby, a thousand yeah. percent, because... He doesn't care. He doesn't want to be there anyway. Like, yeah, and no one's going to say, like, oh, he's the worst of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> he's Of all of these guys, he can absorb being picked last in this all-star game as the old man, right? And he can just sit yep. there, and Will Arnett can make a joke about how they're not picking him again because he's too old, and he'll do his little, like, you know, customary smile and giggle, and it'll all be fine. But Sidney Crosby's been picked last. He has to be. Yeah, you know that that would be the best way to do it if you're if you're gonna rig it or collude. I mean, that's better than rigging it. It's just collude. Yeah, there we go. I guess that's a way of rigging it, but you know, the only <laughs> cap- instead of the league rigging it, you know, rigged from above, the captain should collude to make Crosby the last pick. Yep, there you go. There we go. We've we've solved the All Star draft. Can't wait for Thursday at three. RJ's when it kicks off. I'm sure it'll start you know close to three o'clock as well. I'm sure there won't be anything uh, that gets in the way before that. 
No, definitely not. I mean, and hey, you know, no one's like working on the West Coast during that time at all, right? No. You can tune in. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, leave work hours early to go and watch this. Oh, the NHL drives me crazy, RJ. <laughs> and with that. Uh, not... Before we start a Red Glare episode. <laughs> I was just going to say, before we fall down that whole extensive rabbit hole, I'm going to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of The Deep Dive. Let us know your thoughts on everything that we talked about, right? Like the the the, the long-term, the near-term stuff that we talked about with the Kraken, what you would do, who you'd like to see, maybe join the roster, where you think they are competitive-wise, all of that stuff. I mean, we're going to have a good amount of time here as a, as a group to really talk about these issues for the next 10 days. And I think it's going to be a, a good conversation because we always end up having those um, with the exception of, of you specifically that the one person I'm talking to doesn't, yep. <laughs> it's going to take it too far. Um, uh, and then of course, got to, got to thank um, Queen Anne beer hall for, for sponsoring us as always RJ. If the NHL ever came to, to Seattle for an all-star game, which I do think will happen in the near future. Like sometime in the next decade or so, I think that would happen. You're gonna need to, you're gonna need to, to you know, satiate me with a lot of pretzels and Detroit style pizzas to make sure I don't just go off on Batman about all this stuff. Totally, and you know what? Hey, it'd be a fun time. I bet you'd see at least one Kachuk standing on the table chugging a beer at the beer hall. A million percent. Oh my gosh! Now I'd need to make that happen. Somebody Photoshop that for us. <laughs> Use that next time. It awesome. shouldn't be hard. Just, you know, yes. put put uh, his face over Will Borgen's face. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alaska Joe, Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Anthony, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Bryce, Burnt Creme, Caden, Kat, Kaylin, Shazzle Dazzle, Chip, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, Corey, Danny39, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Evie99, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Empty Net Hockey, Ethan, Evan, Fusion Mix, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Helena, Habak, Jane, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, L. Bell, Leanne, Levin, Light, Little Tennis Guy 8, Lonnie, Mac and Cheese, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Night Drop, Noah, Nunya, Olivia, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Randall, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114 Chris, Ty, Virginia, Wendy, Where the Slovakians At, Zame, and Zoe. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support. <laughs>